a neurotypical person is going to say the finish line is what success looks like. But for you, the success was all the things that you learned for yourself along the way. Your measure of success is different. Welcome to the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Whether you are someone with ADHD or a learning disability or just curious to learn more, come hang out with us in the lounge. I'm Alex. I was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD at the age of eight, and I am the founder of Capable Consulting. And I'm Katie, founder of Women and ADHD and host of the popular Women and ADHD podcast. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45. You can also find the two of us over at the ADHDlounge.com, our all-in-one ADHD coaching community. In each episode, we'll be diving deep into the world of ADHD, discussing unique challenges, sharing our personal stories, providing support and resources, and bringing in experts to help us along the way. So grab your favorite drink, maybe a croissant, grab a seat, or start walking or cleaning or however you listen, because at the ADHD Lounge, you can come exactly as you are. Welcome to episode 12. Alex and I are here, just the two of us. We're going to talk about success amnesia. If you haven't already listened to the amazing episode we had with Jesse J. Anderson, where we talked to him about his success amnesia and the default mode network and his amazing book, go listen to that episode first, because uh, Alex and I are really going to be following up on some of the conversation pieces from that interview. Go listen to it if you haven't already. Um, Otherwise, yeah. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm laughing at all the quirkiness we just had in the last like, 10 minutes before starting. So I'm I'm like, okay, all right, Alex, focus, focus, focus. We are in conversation. No, I'm good. And I was just thinking, you know, as we're following up with this episode of all the things that you and I are doing and we're like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Like we're doing X, Y, and Z. Like you're managing this, you're managing that. I'm like, but it's nothing. How many of us are having that conversation of like, I'm not really doing anything, but then you start listing, oh, well, I'm doing X, Y, Z. And then I start with one, two, three of, you just have to keep adding things to your list. And one thing is just not enough. So I I feel like this is going to be a lot of what leads our conversation. That is, I hope you come away from this episode laughing as much as we are because this is just going to be a whole episode of like, is it just me? Because I don't think it is. I did a, I sat down and did a guided journaling practice with Tasha Post from ADHD Yoga. She used to do oh, these yeah, guided yeah. I love her stuff. She's amazing. And I was part of her community. She had these monthly journaling. And the first time I did it, the first prompt in her guided journaling was write down all the things you did in the last month. And I was like, <laughs> What? Are you kidding me? Oh my me? God. And I was like, all right. And I, it was incredible. It was a really great experience because it was a really great opportunity to do exactly what you just talked about, which was like, holy crap. I can't believe I did all this in one month. And it was really eye opening to think about how we're constantly just moving forward like a train. And we spend very, very little time really paying attention to like all the stuff that is happening in our wake. It actually reminds me the John Mayer song, stop this train. I want to get off and go home because it's like a lot of clients. I know I've, I've had this conversation over and over again where they tell me I have all these things on my to-do list. I want to get all of these done and then they're finish it. And 30 seconds later, they're on to the next thing because they completed it like, oh, I feel good. Okay, next thing, next thing, next thing. And I'm like, 
Okay, that just took you a month to be able to do that one thing on your checklist and you didn't even sit with it to say, I'm really proud of myself for actually doing the thing. You're always like shooting for the next thing as opposed to being proud of yourself for the thing that you actually did. And it is so hard to be present, like incredibly hard. And I have struggled with this my whole life that I was always on to what's next. And I feel like that is just such a common theme among anyone I talk to who has ADHD. Yeah. I remember my business coach, every time I would reach a milestone and I would reach out to her and be like, yeah, this happened. She was like, how are you going to celebrate? That was her question. Every time, how are you celebrating? I've said that to you, right? It's like such a coach thing to say. And it was so uncomfortable because I was like, I don't know. I don't celebrate like and i and then i started thinking well is this a self-esteem issue that i don't feel worthy Mm. of celebrating and i think it wasn't i think it was mostly that it was boring like you said like i was like i am always on to the next thing i don't spend any time really appreciating or celebrating any of these wins and so i had a really hard time coming up with like what to do to celebrate. And and I would always be like, I don't know, I went to Target and I bought a new something. Like I was like, I just bought stuff and that felt empty. And I never, I really haven't come up with a way to like celebrate milestones in meaningful ways. I asked you the exact same question when we launched the community and we launched the podcast. I'm like, what did you do to celebrate? We had like had the LLC. You're like, uh, I don't know. And I left and I said, Katie, I could tell you every purse in my closet what milestone that was from. And you're like, oh, interesting. And that's like a very, it sounds very superficial to have that milestone, but I'm like, a purse is something that's going to last a while. As I said, I could tell you every single purse. And I'm not saying like I spend thousands of dollars on purses. I, I, per purse like that that is not at all in my in my budget but it it's at least that i bought something that brought me joy and i have to say i was always in this train of like it kept moving it kept moving it kept moving and when i actually stopped to observe all the things around me that's actually when things started happening when we're like pushing ahead to make all of these things happen it feels like this very uphill battle every single task that we're doing is hard versus challenging. And it's because we're looking at the task in a very blinding way. Like there, there's literally blinders on the side of our eyes. Like there's no other task around. We're just focused on that one thing. And it's like, when I stop to ask myself, is this the right task for me to do? And actually looked around and be present with what that task was. I realized sometimes I was not even on the right path of what I wanted to do. So accomplishing it didn't actually feel very good until I said, what do I want so that I can accomplish goals and actually sit with what I wanted and be proud of it. And I feel like that that's kind of what's manifested in my business too. And I can't even tell you how much therapy I have had to pay for in order to get to that moment, but it felt really good to look around. Mm-hmm. Well, one other thing I like about the purses is, is that you have that visual reminder then, right? It brings mm. back every time you look at these purses, you're like, oh, each one of these represents that great thing I did, right? And so I like I like that in theory. And I'm sort of thinking like, maybe I should start buying one of something, right? So that I can have this display of celebrations that I could really attach to it. Hmm. It's interesting. Some people do that with jewelry. I, some people do that with like, 
trips. You're a trip person. I am definitely a travel person for sure. I was going to say, so like if there is a trip that you've had an eye on and you have the budget for it, it's like, okay, well that's my celebration. Yeah. Like my mom would do that a lot too. Um, I think I've mentioned, I come from an entire family of entrepreneurs and my mom's an author and you know, she would sell a book and she was like, this is our family trip. So like we went to Hawaii once and it was when she got one of the biggest book deals that she's gotten. And it was like, okay, this was her like milestone moment. So it doesn't have to be something that you're always constantly collecting. It could be an experience that you're applying it to, but celebrate you is so important because otherwise, why are you trying to even achieve any of these goals? Yeah. If it's not for you. I think, you know, I think one of the things that I think a lot of us struggle with, with ADHD is that our version of success looks very different from other people's versions of success. And so sometimes we don't share things with other people because it becomes very private because maybe I'm worried about being judged or I'm worried that I'm not going to finish it. And like, I think about hobbies, right? And so many of us feel bad because we buy all the stuff, we get super into it, and then we don't finish it. And then we feel like Mm. failures because we didn't get to the end. And for me, that took a lot of time to reframe like, oh, okay, well, what I'm really interested in is the learning. The finished product is not that important to me or I would finish, right? And so for me, like the learning, the gathering, the buying, like all of that is the fun stuff. So those are my wins. Um, The finished product isn't necessarily a win for me. To everybody else, it looks like I gave up, right? Or that I'm a failure, right? And so it can be, I think it can be like a lot of the time our own relationship with success can be very private and very nuanced. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the finish line. I think that that's the thing. A neurotypical person is going to say the finish line is what success looks like. But for you, the success was all the things that you learned for yourself along the way. So your measure of success is different. And I also do a lot of workshops on that of like recreating what success looks like for you because it's so different. And I think that even just admitting out loud that for you, the finished product wasn't what success looked like for you can be really empowering to say, you know what, that might be somebody else's vision, but it wasn't mine and I accomplished my goal. Right, exactly. And so that's, but I think that takes a lot of reframing. Oh, 100%. So when people ask me what my hobbies are, I'm like, my hobbies are learning new hobbies. <laughs> Yet we ask that question to all of our guests, like, what's your newest hobby? And that's your, it, you know what? It's fine. I feel like hobbies come and go and they have a, they have a place. I used to say um, people come into your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And I feel like hobbies are like that too. Like it's that. for a season, a reason, or it's for a lifetime. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so what else did we talk about with Alex? Oh, so with success amnesia, I feel like just to, oh, he, you know, and he talks about the smile file, right? He talks about the smile file mm-hmm. in his book. And I feel like your purses and the idea of, of those visual reminders are basically the same thing, which is having something that can remind you of these, these, you know, successes. But I also have files of things where I have, quotes from people, you know, I can even sit with some of my clients. I'm going to reframe of what I'm going to say because <laughs> my mind is running faster than my mouth. So what I was going to say, when it comes to having the smile file, I also have a smile file. I have 
lots of quotes that people have said to me, emails that were just, just really reminding me of what I did, but none of them were as good as the moment I read them first and, or the moment that people said them to me first. And that's the moment that I'm trying to get to, to remind myself to, to say, this is what success feels like. And there have been lots of moments with like clients that I've had where they've had breakthroughs and I will like fully tear up. Like this is what I am most proud of why I'm doing this and that I can get them to the point where they feel really good about themselves. But I could have that in an email being in that moment with them feels so much better. And I strongly encourage you to find ways in which you can be present with that moment. So it's one thing to have the emails, you know, stored, maybe write an email back to yourself to say like, I'm really proud of myself for X, Y, and Z, or I didn't see this part. That way you can bring yourself back into that moment to say, this is how I was feeling having read that. Because it's nice to hear compliments, but how how did it make you feel? Yeah, I like that. That's nice. I'm trying to think about it. Because one of the things that has been happening a lot for me recently with being back in school is grades. And I'm realizing, Mm. you know, I didn't do very well the first time around in my bachelor's. (laughs) I I dropped out a couple times. I've got a lot of Fs. My transcript is a nightmare. And so this time around, I'm obviously 25 years later, uh, I'm driven by perfectionism and anxiety. Mm. And I'm really struggling with how much pressure I'm putting on myself to do everything really, really well. But I'm also doing really, really well, which feels really good. And I was, so anyway, I was talking to my husband about like, I got my my report card and it's like, oh, I, you know, it's weird as an adult to get a report card because it's like, Mm -hmm. nobody's around to, to celebrate with me. Like nobody wants to put my report card on the fridge. And I'm like, you have to do that for me because I don't have parents to do that for me anymore. Or you don't have a blockbuster to go to and show your, right? your report card to get a free movie. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I just aged myself. But, I know. but he was like, <laughs> still, oh, well, blockbuster, if you don't know what it is, was <laughs> Netflix before Netflix, where you could go into a store and see the latest movies that would never be there because everybody else got there first. Were there other businesses that celebrated? I feel like there were other businesses that would give you stuff if you had a good maybe report. like Baskin Robbins I think would give like a free ice cream scoop or Dunkin Donuts would give like a free donut or, or something like that but Blockbuster was like the place to go when you had your report cards but it was funny because it was like I got a really good grade and I didn't think of like I sort of was like oh it's a graduate program they want everybody to succeed everybody's getting a good grade and it wasn't until I was talking to another student who did not get a good grade. I mean, she she oh. got a fine grade, but she didn't get my grade. And it was only then that it really hit me that I was like, oh, this is a real accomplishment. Like I it was like <laughs> I totally downplayed and like qualified my own success until I realized in relation to somebody else that it was a big deal. You couldn't celebrate yourself unless you knew somebody else did worse. Right. So or that's that what it, it was, sounds like. Well, I think it was the fact that somebody else did worse made me realize that this was actually like a hard task. Harder. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a few clients who are getting graduate degrees and other things. And I would constantly ask them, because the grade for you matters to some to, in some way, because for you, you want to see the A 
on your report card, essentially. But you're not using this to put on your resume to say, I had a 4.0 in this. Like you're looking to get something out of it. And I would always look at the syllabus at the beginning of a semester and say, like, how am I going to learn all of these things by the end of the semester? And I would ask myself that exact same question at the end of the semester. Did I learn this? Could I go explain to somebody what I learned? And I feel like if we're going to reframe what success looks like and remind ourselves of that, like, could you explain what you learned in those classes? And I think that you could. Because you've even shared some of it with me. Yeah, that's true. That's a good question. Because there is, it's funny, because I'm like, a lot of the stuff I probably couldn't explain because... uh... (laughs) because I forget. But I know what you're saying. And I do feel like in terms of what I need to get out of this program, I'm definitely that's is the most important stuff. And I do try to remind myself, you walked in and walked out knowing more than you walked in with. That's the point. I know, exactly. And I tell myself all the time, I'm like, all you need is a B. All you need is a B. And it, it just it doesn't matter. I still immediately if I get a 95, I'm like, what happened to the other 5%? So now I'm going to ask you, you just finished the semester, right? No, that was a midterm report card. That was a midterm. Okay. So when you finish the semester, how are you going to celebrate that you finished your first semester back (laughs) in a school after 25 plus years? Good question. I am. One of the things I like to do is I like to go out for to Kripalu, which is a yoga retreat in, um, in Massachusetts. And they, uh, that always feels like a really nice, like me time. And so that tends to be the way I celebrate. So I'm actually like, uh, in January, after I finish the winter semester, I'm going to go to Kripalu for a weekend. And that's kind of my law, you know, it's wonderful. It's very indulgent. And so those that is I do have that planned. I haven't actually thought about what I'm going to do. We do get along so well. <laughs> I was going to go on my first yoga retreat that was supposed to leave um march 13th 2020 so guess where i didn't go (laughs) on my yoga retreat but i always wanted to go so maybe one year we're celebrating our podcast and our community i'm going to come with you i just invited myself sorry but i love yoga and you already knew that but a retreat sounds really good and i would love to celebrate more of this i know right and they have great food they feed you and it's just like i feel very pampered when i'm there it's really nice so yeah, so that is that is my plan for for after the winter semester. I haven't really thought about what I'm going to do after the fall semester when this ends because uh, it's just such a mine was time. usually sleep. I would sleep for like three days. I would be in like a comatose state because I would always be so hyper focused at the end of a semester trying to cram for all of the exams, and by the time I was done, I was like fully crashed every time. Well, that's actually speaking, this isn't really about success amnesia, but I think it does speak to when we do like finish something big and we are, we need to recharge. Right. And I think it Mm -hmm. can be really difficult for people with ADHD to allow themselves the time to recharge for so many reasons, right? We feel guilty that we're not doing anything. We feel like we don't earn the rest or we don't, we're not worthy of the rest, but it's also kind of boring to sit around and lie around, right? Like there's always this part of me this, that inner motor that's like, all right, we're like, I love the idea of sleeping all day. But when after a couple hours, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so stir crazy. And we sort of get stir crazy in our own rest. Well, because our your mind is still racing, even right? if your body isn't. 
Yeah. yeah. And thinking about all the things you're going to do next and all the things you should be doing right now. And like, it's really difficult for people with ADHD to just rest. And that's one thing I found I've been much better at over time is, is when I'm, when I'm like, wake up, like when this happened to me after my midterms, I did so much studying for my midterms and I just like physically collapsed after them. Mm. Like I got sick, I had a cold and I was like, all right, body, I'm listening to you. And I spent several days really just not doing anything, canceling all my plans and just lying around. And while it was hard, I feel like I'm just much better at just allowing that to happen and, and kind of leaning into the fact that I'm like, I'm not going to get anything done. I'm recharging. And so I'm just going to have to lie around. I think the pressure is also being in the same physical space. And I actually talk about this a lot with my clients when it comes to taking work home with them mm. that I, and I talk to clients who, who travel a lot for work too. So their hotel room is where they're taking their work back to, or their physical home is where they're taking things back to and trying to create that separate space, I think really, really helps from that level of burnout. Like if you were studying in your office, your office already brings you tension, just walking into it as the same space. If you were studying like in your kitchen and that like anywhere in your home, that is what your like visual reminder is of, I didn't do this, or you're still distracted and you're looking around at the things in your home that you could be doing instead. So anytime there was like work to be done, I tried very, very, very hard, even if it meant sitting in my physical office, like when I commuted until it was done, I was like, I do not want to bring this home because this is not my safe space. Like my safe space is for me to decompress. And like in college, I would go to the library and I would do the same thing. I'm like, this is where I do my work. Home is where I chill. And I feel like that made a huge difference in being able to create that visual so that when I could celebrate my successes, it was in the same place that I felt good. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people during the pandemic really struggled with that because those those lines were blurred all of a sudden yeah. and people felt stressed all the time. I remember reading, you know, hearing about or it was like a, this American Life episode, but it was talking about our dogs and our pets and how much they relied on us leaving the house. Um, yeah, because and, then- <laughs> and that's when they were like not on guard, right? Like dogs are naturally protective. So if their owner is home, even if they're sleeping, like there's always that part of them that's on guard. And so it yeah. was stressing our dogs out for us to be home all the time because they needed that like rest time. <laughs> they need, yeah. Um, right. And so it's like, yeah, I, all of our schedules were so, our nervous systems were wrecked because of all those routines. I really, 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 really struggled with that in, uh, during the pandemic because we were living in 550 square feet for like 10 years. And I never, ever, spend time in my 550 square foot apartment for more than like going to bed and like eating and hanging out. So yeah, I didn't have a separation of anything. And it honestly felt like a little bit of solitary confinement because we had like no natural sunlight. And in New York City at the time, they're like, don't go outside. So it was like, we had to go at a random hour to walk outside for one hour. So yeah, I really struggled with being able to separate it. My, my, apartment was my 
my yoga studio, my workspace, my home space, my cleaning. It was really that even just reflecting on that and thinking about that, that's probably why I I I felt the worst. And it was actually um I was working on a project for a year and a half that was the most stressful I have ever experienced in my entire life. This job was so so hard and the project ended on March 11th, 2020. And so the next day I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to crash. And I was like, this is going to be great. I don't have to do anything. No one's going to ask me for anything. But then I was like, two, three days of this, I was like, I, I, I don't know what to do with myself, but I don't want to be here anymore. And it was so hard. Oh my God. All of these things are flooding back. What a traumatic time. Oh my goodness. Oh really was. God. Well, and I think we're even still like, you know, at the time I was so grateful that I didn't have really, really little kids. Cause I was like, Oh, my kids are just like on their own. They can feed themselves. Yeah. Like there were so many things I was grateful that I didn't have like a toddler, but now yeah. I'm realizing like the older kids are still coming back from the, the social isolation of the pandemic. Like it really deeply affected both of my kids, especially my older kid. Um, and I think a lot of us, like there's been studies that are coming out now in terms of how our nervous systems were affected by by the lack of social interaction, like real face-to-face social interaction. It's like part of our mental health. I feel like there's all those studies that are like, whatever age you went into the pandemic, like that's what age you stayed. <laughs> Forever. Yeah, basically, uh, because you're just like emotionally stunted from it. But that's not what we're talking about in terms of success amnesia, but it was amnesia until we just brought it up. One of the great things about the pandemic for me was that's how I got my ADHD diagnosis. And and it's, you know, but a lot of the conversations I was having with my therapist at the time before I realized this was ADHD was what we talked about with Jesse, which was like, I was coming to her every week. And uh, talking about what a failure I was and what a loser I was mm. and how I was doing, not doing anything. And I just wasn't, you know, that idea of like never meeting my potential. And she, she would list off the overwhelming evidence to the contrary in terms of what I actually was doing, but I would just like, yeah. none of it mattered to me or it wasn't like when it came to my, my sense of self and my self-concept, it was so negative and she was like that's adhd and i was like what like i I didn't make any sense to me that that was adhd because i i didn't see the things i was doing right and but that was really like it was that it was the that dichotomy or that or what's the word i'm looking for the the contradiction between the contrast between what i was actually doing and accomplishing versus how i saw myself was so different that that's what tipped my therapist off to the fact that i had adhd and and which is interesting because i feel like that's exactly what we talk about with success amnesia is how much yeah. our self concept is affected by the fact that we don't pay attention to our wins there's so much that i want to respond to that with here's my coaching piece i'm going to pause because i want you to hear all the things that you just said for yourself because there was a lot of success in that. And I'm wondering, I totally put my coaching hat on. I'm so sorry, Katie, but I'm doing this for everyone who's listening to. What did you hear yourself say? When I was in with the therapist or just what I said right now? 
what you said right now. Oh, that there was overwhelming evidence to the contrary in terms of what I was accomplishing versus how I saw myself. And I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff. It just felt easy. It felt like it wasn't a big deal. Like it just sort of felt like that was the the bare minimum of what I should do in my day. Didn't feel like I was really pushing myself because those were the fun, interesting things to me. But now that you hear yourself say that, how do you feel about like yourself concept? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely view myself now as somebody who does a lot or at least, <laughs> or at least I don't know. I was talking about with this about with my daughter the other day who does very, very well in school. And she was talking about the fact that she also feels like she does the bare minimum, but it just, it's in relation to other people that she realized that her bare minimum is a lot more, you know, her version of bare minimum is somebody else like going 110%. And and Mm -hmm. so it was interesting, because we were like, when we feel like we have to like, actively acknowledge that what feels like the bare minimum is actually quite a lot. It's quite a lot. And that you should be proud of yourself for all the things you just said. Because you are, you're just not actually saying those words. Yeah, well, and that's what I mean. That's why I feel like it can be really difficult to say things like I'm proud of myself because I'm like, "Ah, am I like, I guess I'm proud of myself. But there's something I think there's some weird I think maybe there's some weird amnesia in the whole hyper focus thing where you like enter it's like you're not in control of your body or your brain anymore when you go into hyper focus so maybe we don't have ownership over some of these successes because it feels like i have no idea how i was able to do that i have no idea how i would replicate that right like there are those moments where i'm like you look back at all the things you've done in a month and it's dizzying and you're sort of like did i do that like i don't feel like i did that it's very strange that disconnect the disconnect is really strange. And I, um, there's so I could come up with like a hundred different scenarios in which I had to put my head down and focus on what was in front of me, but it was someone else's understanding of what success looked like for me versus what I wanted and taking the time to even just approach how you came to that conclusion and sit with it. Can't remember if I've talked about this on this podcast, but I've jokingly said my favorite book for ADHD or learning disabilities is a kid's book. I'm going on a bear hunt because every page it says, I can't get over it. I can't go under it. I got to go through it. And everything you just described was like, I'm just getting over it or I'm just pushing it down. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but now that you walk through it and you can actually see the other side, it feels different. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause we are experiential learners for sure. Um, it's very, very difficult for me to grasp something unless I've experienced it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> but going through it is really, really hard mm-hmm. because there was a reason, reason you were pushing it down. And there was a reason that you were like, I, I just want to get over it. Even like the conversation that we were talking about before with like all the things you were dealing with your house. It's like, it's like, I just want to get over it. Like, I I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. It just, you don't have the capacity to handle what's going on. It just, it doesn't feel good. So like going through it and you can actually experience it feels different. And actually I feel like you get more success from those 
from those learned experiences of actually sitting with what it is that you did and what it is that you said to yourself. I feel like I very much put on a coaching hat for this. You did. I kind of like it. I appreciate it because I think it is a reminder that no matter who we are or how much we figured out, like it's a lot of this stuff needs to be done in company of another person, right? Like we really need to talk it out. We really need to think through it and be supported. Right. And that's not like, that's not a failure to need that. No, no. I, I wish that all the things that I'm saying now was what I was hearing you know, through high school, trying to push ahead to do all of these things, because I think I would have been a lot kinder to myself. And I probably would have struggled with anxiety and depression far less than I did. Had I been kinder to myself, I always said I am the meanest person to myself. And when I kind of let go of some of that, I still struggle with it. I'm not saying I am perfect. Nobody's perfect. And I do not even pretend to be. But I don't know. I feel like just having my daughter in general has changed a lot of this aspect. I haven't really shared much of this, but it took me a very long time to be able to have my daughter. And there were so many lessons that I learned in the process of struggling to get pregnant and having her that I had to let go of all the things that were really hard and that were not in my control. And I feel like so much of that has applied because now every time I look at her, I think this is what I was, I was doing this for. This is what I was hoping for and sitting with her in those moments and watching her learn and grow has given me a chance to reflect on this is what I was working towards. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting very teary eyed about it, but it's true. Um, So I hope I don't sound like a hard ass as I'm pushing you on that. But I think that that's really where a lot of that came from that I couldn't really have done before. Yeah, no, this is a really, I think it's a wonderful skill. And a lot of coaches are really great at that. It's the the confrontation, right? And so confrontation is not necessarily, it's not mean, it's not criticizing, it's not aggressive, but confrontation is usually something that somebody else can do for you where they start to point out some of the conflicting ideas or some of the idiosyncrasies that are happening in terms of like your behavior versus your thinking. Look at me. I sound like such yeah. a, a, a therapy student right now. There um, you go. I mean, you are a therapy student, so it only, <laughs> it only lends well to you at this yeah. point. But it's one of the things I really like that we're able to offer in the community, in the, in the ADHD lounge community, which is the time to like sit down and just go over, okay, like, what do we have to do this weekend? What are, you know, this is what we do in the weekly strategy sessions. It's like, all right, let's just like, let's talk it out. Think about some of these things. And then, you know, what are the steps we're going to take? Let's, you know, and, and, and it's like immediately sometimes the, the, Clients will get overwhelmed and be like, oh, I, I, I got this and that. I'm like, okay, like, let's just do it. Let's just talk through it. And then I will check in on you. Like when, you know, and I'm, we're very pointed, right? It's like, what day are you doing this? What time are you doing this? Like put it in there. And then you can see immediately all of that baggage that comes with like, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet. Like all that anxiety comes up and you're like, it's fine. Like we'll deal with that later. But it's the accountability piece that you're, you're doing it for somebody else. Cause a lot of the times we, it's just for us. We don't feel the pressure to do that. But I also, every time we do those strategy sessions, I'm like, where are you on the list? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I exactly. said that to Jesse too. I'm like, when you're making those top five lists, like, where are you on the list? Because they're usually bottom last. Like, 
or even not even close to being on that list to begin with. So adding yourself into those lists makes everything else on the task list easier to do because you've thought of yourself. Right. Yeah. You matter through this process. Like none, none of those successes are actually going to feel good if you didn't do anything for yourself to help yourself feel good. All right. So do you have a, do you have a, is it just me moment? Is it just me? Katie and I were laughing about this because I was listening to every podcast and audible book on like regular speed. And I thought that that was like the normal thing to do until she was finally like, no, speed it up. You got to speed it up. And I was like, this is so much better. So now that I'm like listening to podcasts and audible books, I am paying attention way more. I'm so much more focused. So that's, is it just me or did, did anybody else like not do that before? Cause I feel like that this has been a revelatory thing. Right. Well, and not only that, but the people who say that they can't listen to podcasts, I'm always wondering, I'm like, are you, what are you doing when you are listening to the podcast? Cause I would never just sit down and listen to a podcast. Like there's very specific things I have to do to occupy one half of my brain while the other half of my brain listens to the podcast, right? hundred percent. So there's exactly. So I'm like, there's certain things I can and can't do. Like I can drive and listen or walk my dog and listen, but I can't try to read or listen or like there's certain. Oh my God, Katie, this is so funny because I, I totally agree with you. And I think that that was also why listening at a regular speed was also bothering me. And we even say in our intro, yeah, because I was trying to do other things. And then I realized like, those are not the kinds of tasks I could do. And then when I was speeding it up, we even say like, in the intro of our podcast, walk around, like clean up whatever it is, like come exactly as you are. And I realized that I listen better when I'm doing other things, whether it was driving or I was playing a game on my phone or uh, like cleaning my apartment so much. I'm, I'm so much better all the way around having it sped up. I think cause my brain works really fast. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I do think we need to start thinking about our brains in terms of like those partitions mm. where it's like there. And I've talked about this a little bit on the other podcast too, where it's like, you know, like white noise, like white noise, or I have to, I have to, I use white noise to sleep or brown noise to sleep, but I use ocean noises to read. And I'm like, that's weird, but I can't like, there's something about the noise that occupies a part of our brain, which I think honestly is part of the default mode network, right? That inner monologue, that inner dialogue part that keeps us from being able to read or when you're reading the same paragraph over and over again, because you're realizing you're also thinking about something else, that part of you that also is thinking about the, you know, the, your grocery list or what you're going to do this weekend or all that stuff that's interfering with reading, that part needs to be occupied. And so oftentimes like ocean noise or something like that will occupy that part of our brain and quiet it. And which I don't know, I just find it so fascinating because I'm like only neurodivergent people talk about their brains this way, where there's like multiple parts of it and you have to trick it. And that it's like this other thing that we're not in control of that we're trying to work with. Always, always. Um, All right. What's your thing? So I thought of it while we were talking, which is totally random and not to do with anything that we were talking about. It just popped into my head, which is very ADHD. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say very ADHD. But it's I'm excited be- to hear this. Well, it's a beautiful sunny day out. It's very cold though, but I was thinking about, so I'm going out to dinner with my family and 
one of the things uh, tonight, I'm, I'm taking my kids out for dinner tonight because my husband's out of town and I don't cook. So. <laughs> fair, fair. And I was thinking about the fact that I was like, oh, maybe we'll eat outside. And then I was like, no, I don't have to eat outside because my husband's not here. I hate eating outside. I hate it. And I only do it because he loves it. Um, but I was like, is it but just me? Is it a neurodivergent? Well, even if it's not like it just, yeah, it's too cold too anyway. But even still, I was like, that's one of those things that I like pretend to, I pretended to like for a long time, but I hate eating outside. I hate everything about it. I hate the fact that the tables are rickety and like not stable and that there's like flies and there's too much going on and there's wind and there's noise. And like, there's, it's such a sensory nightmare for me to go outside and eat. (laughs) Oh my God. Now wait, now I just remembered the other, oh my God. I have so many weird sensory things with food when it comes to things like that. But yes, I, I understand that there, there there's like certain times I'd like to sit outside when it's like, the perfect fall day but yeah, other like than take that a cup of coffee outside or something but right yeah. but no like sitting and eating a whole meal unless it's like perfect weather absolutely not but even just pretending because somebody else liked it i know feels... right that's such masking well i'm like is uh, that masking, masking or is that or is that um is that a uh, compromise because there are things that like my husband really really likes to do where i'm like meh right it's fine I don't mind and then other things where I'm like absolutely not and then you know there is a lot because there's so there are those times with a partner where you're like I don't mind I don't mind I don't mind and then all of a sudden you snap and you're like I have done this thing for you forever (laughs) and I'm so bitter and resentful and you're like whoa where did that come from um then you're like oh it came because I was like masking and pushing it down over and over for so long I feel like that's a whole other episode (laughs) oh my god Katie we could talk about that for a long time I've done that too and I'm someone who knew so yes I I understand on a different level well anyway I feel like we were all over the place this episode and so thank you for listening if you're still listening right I feel like that's (laughs) how these conversations go but uh it was wonderful as always to chat with you Alex and um if you want more of us and if you want to work with us and you know where to find us we're at the adhdlounge.com it's a monthly subscription community an all-in-one coaching community where we have body doubling co-working we have weekly strategy sessions monthly strategy sessions monthly workshops of course our uh, expert roundtables if you want to attend it live you know again Come find us in the ADHDlounge.com and you can you can be in on these roundtables. You can listen in and ask questions. It's a great time. And that's a wrap for this episode of the ADHD Lounge Podcast. Thank you for listening and make sure to join us over at the ADHDlounge.com. We've got resources, co-working, workshops, and a community of amazing ADHD folks just like yourself. And you can also attend these recordings live where you can ask questions and join in these discussions as they're happening. So make sure to head over to the ADHDlounge.com to join us today and you can find that link in the show notes. And if you've made it this far and you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us reach more listeners who could benefit from these conversations. Seriously, do it. Go now before you forget it. <laughs>